This episode of the podcast is currently in between sponsors right now, so I wanted to use this space to plug another project I've been working on that some of you may be interested in. Over the summer, I've had to take a lot of my outdoor education work virtually, and that meant starting up a YouTube page with a number of wilderness tutorials, including knots, tarps, and backpacking. More videos will make their way on there every month, and if you're interested, you can simply search Brensky Bikeski on YouTube or go to youtube.com slash C slash Brensky Bikeski. You'll also find a link in the show notes. You're listening to Frontlines, a podcast for the people that truly make mountain biking happen. Not the riders, racers, or product designers, but the builders, advocates, and the often forgotten board members of your local mountain bike trail association. I have to start off by saying it feels good to be back. And I wanted to thank everyone that has reached out over the past couple of weeks. I'm excited to explore new themes this season. And with that, let's get right into it. I'm your host, Brent Hillier, and this is episode 81 of Frontlines. I'm joined by two guests. The first is Troy Savalik. He's the vice president of the Kickapoo Mountain Bike Club near Champaign, Illinois. Hi, Troy. Thanks for joining me. Hi. And next, I've got Anthony Morrow. He's the executive director at the Kickapoo Mountain Bike Club. Hi, Anthony. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for for joining me, kind of kicking off uh, this new season of of front lines, and and obviously, lots been going on uh, in the world since uh, since I've had an episode on the air, and and I really just kind of wanted to to start off with a, a question uh, for both of you, which is, you know, how are you two doing? Um, you know, how's uh, how's family life, work life, you know, overall in general sanity uh, right now? What uh, what's kind of been happening within your own personal lives over the last little while? Uh, you know, it, um, at the beginning of this year, well, spring, I should say, you know, um, March, we, we thought we were going to lose our minds. Um, we kind of got told, Hey, uh, not only can you not go anywhere or see anybody or do anything, but you, you know, you can't even get out on your bikes, uh, and ride. Um, and it became very apparent to, to me, at least how, how crucial that was to my mental stability. Yeah. And Anthony, you know, I think my sanity is surprisingly good right now um i guess i i've had the opportunity just to be home with my daughter a lot more than uh than i had been in the past so that's been awesome uh, i've worked from home and worked remotely for a long time i'm in the online education space which is a, a pretty good space to be in right now other than uh having to be out of the woods and out of the state park for uh, for a while early on in the uh, whole covid crisis uh it it hasn't changed my life a lot, I guess. Uh, so, so yeah, I, yeah, uh, I, I am looking forward to getting back to normal though. So how old's your daughter? She's four. Yeah. Same, same age as my son. It's uh, it was a, it was definitely a good year to, to be reminded of, of, you know, you can miss a lot, <laughs> you know, working, working and, and living your life and, and doing what you need to do or what you think you need to do to raise a family. And, and suddenly you, you look up and, you know, the, the, your child's life has passed you by a little bit. So it was, uh, it was definitely, uh, a, a good thing, I think for myself. And I think a lot of people just, just slow things down a little bit and, yeah, and be that, around. That's been the silver lining. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I do want to talk about, you know, the closures that, that happened for you and, and those restrictions. I think a lot of communities had something similar. I know my community, we were locked out of our outdoor spaces, which was, you know, hindsight 2020. Now we look back on it and we realize that was kind of silly, but at the time it was just closed culture of like, we're shutting down everything. We didn't know what was going on and, and fair enough. But before we, we get into that, I just want to know a little bit more about the Kickapoo Mountain Bike Club. How long have they been around for? How did they, they get started? Kind of what's their genesis story? So uh, this is this is a point of contention because uh, <laughs> so it's uh, it, it start, the the trails actually started out um, as some old dirt bike trails uh, and a group of guys just kind of started you know digging them out and so the date was ninety four ninety three um, I always push these guys to to just say ninety three because KMBC since ninety three has a nice ring to it. Uh, but I, I think, uh, I think there's some guys that say, well, it's actually 94, you know, so, uh, that's <laughs> back and forth we've got. So that seems like details. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, so it, uh, it, it kind of just existed in the background for a while. Um, you know, that there was, there were some hardcore dedicated guys that always worked on it. Uh, if you, if you did get involved and in, in started riding mountain bikes, people were like, where are you going? Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't even understand you're, you're riding where, uh, this is Illinois. And how long have you two been involved with the organization and how did you each get into, into advocacy in the, in the first place? Yeah, go for it, Anthony. So I moved to this area, uh, the, the Danville area, uh, about three years ago. Uh, I had previously been up in the Chicago area. I grew up in central Illinois uh, which is where Kickapoo State Park is. Uh, so I was familiar with it, you know, and I, I would hit it if I, I was in the area, uh, you know, would bring the bike and do a ride. I was working from home. My wife was working from home. We had a one-year-old and just wanted to be closer to family. But, you know, one of my one of my stipulations was I, I've got to be 10 minutes from a trailhead, you know. So I don't care where we move. We could move closer to family. We could move out west. We could move to the east coast. But I, I've got to be 10 minutes from a trailhead. My wife won. We we moved closer to the family, and you know we, we moved close to Kickapoo State Park. Yeah, um, yeah. And were you guys in a in a much bigger community at the time? Uh, we we were in Chicago area. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chicago Chicago suburbs. And yeah, okay, yeah. So uh, so yeah, um, and you know there's there's a pretty good mountain biking community in Chicago as well. Uh, Camber's a, a pretty great organization, and I I worked and helped out a lot on a little bandit trail system uh, in, in the county of Chicago area. But, you know, I, I was pretty aware of Kickapoo and, and what they were doing here. And it just seemed like a great group of people that I knew I wanted to get involved with. Um, and I, I just said this the other day uh, when, you know, Steve, the, the president of KNBC, sent us a, a nice message for Thanksgiving. Um, you know, I, I knew I wanted to get involved, but I had no idea what we'd be taking on. Uh, and it's, uh, it's been awesome, you know, and I, it's been a really rewarding experience and I, I've met a lot of great people in the process. Oh, I thought you were going to say you had second guesses. <laughs> no, no, no. It's been great. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's so, nothing wrong with that. That's pretty yeah, normal too. You know, that, that's, I guess how I got involved, you know, I, I, I moved here and I uh, saw an opportunity to get really involved and, um, it's been great. Troy, what about yourself? I think it was probably... I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago now, I, I kind of started showing up here and there um, on some of the, I would, I would kind of cherry pick some work days like, oh, hey, they're going to build some jumps this day. I guess I'll go out then. Started meeting some of the people and, and coming around more and more. Um, and then, 
uh, you know, then they kind of just sucked me in. Um, and then as I, as I was showing up regularly, uh, you know, Steve kind of said, well, you guys plan on sticking around. You're going to be in the area. Uh, we, you know, we'd like to give you some more, um, some more responsibility here. And so now that's, uh, I think that's been brought us on officially. Uh, what was 2018? Does that sound right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, beginning of 2018 uh, put us put us officially in charge of some stuff and said, "Okay, guys, um, you know, here you go. Uh, let's take things and run with it." And and that's when that's when things really started to kind of get big as far as plans go for us. Um, you know, as, as we as they felt like they had some support and we felt like we had an outlet for our ideas. Uh, I think that's when we really, really kind of started to, to get things into motion. And and before we hit record on this, you, you'd mentioned that um, there's some other folks on the the board, um, and and you guys are kind of it sounds like the the new wave kind of coming into this this organization. What what did you mean by that? I guess I would I would kind of refer to Steve. You know, as kind of part of the old guard. I I don't even know if I can put a number on how long he's been the president. Almost ten years, I think, or maybe ten that's years. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's that's probably right. <clears throat> um, so you know, there, it's been him kind of pushing the thing for a long time. Really, really being the the sole driver behind. You know, he, he's obviously had help. Uh, you know, our our trail architect, um, lack of better, we call him a, a lot of different positions, but yeah, our our main trail designer, Sean. Um, him and Steve have really been the guys kind of keeping the whole thing together. Yeah, and it's um, it's it's been pretty cool to see, right? Over the last couple of years, I, I think we've just had so many younger writers and younger people getting involved here. For Steve and Sean, I think, especially before Troy and I showed up, you know, they weren't sure even if this was something that was, you know, Kickaboo Mountain Bike Club was something that was gonna going to keep going, right? Yeah. And so having, you know, just having, having us get involved and just inject some new energy into it. And I, I think just seeing the response from the local writers and, and people that just want to get involved locally has, has, has been a big boost, right? And, and all of a sudden they were okay with taking on big projects and big plans. And uh, we, Troy and I were looking at some numbers earlier. I, I think the, the most members we've ever had, like paying members of Kickaboo Mountain Bike Club, prior to this year was, was maybe 80. Uh, and, and, and we'll be over 300 paying members this year. Wow. Um, wow. Which, which is, a, yeah, I mean, obviously a huge boost for us. I think just having some younger people get involved uh, and show that they're willing to put in the work has been a huge boost for them. Uh, and, and, and it sounds like Steve is ready to pass the torch on at this point. So. Yeah. You know, it's, um, uh, with, with my local organization, I've been involved for, you know, I would, I'd say 10 years and, and I've only been on, this is, I'm now entering my third year on the the board, but I've been a trail builder for eight years with them, professional trail builder with them for eight years now. And I've seen a lot of changes. I've seen, I think three presidents, maybe four presidents at this point, I've seen a couple of different executive directors, you know, there's a history there that I think a lot of people that are on the current board, most people on the current board are not even privy to for good reasons. I think at the same time too, sometimes the history can just bog you down <laughs> with certain organizations. There's, there's no reason to even, you know, drag them through the weeds of, of the drama and the gossip that is the past. Sometimes um, there is some relevant stuff that, that is always important for, for new board members to recognize, but 
I've seen a couple of presidents and, and I, to be honest with you, I, I think even our current president is in a position where they're coming to the end. In fact, uh, I, they've said that explicitly. In fact, in our board meeting last night, they've said that explicitly. This is the, this is the last term, but you know, they're coming to, they, they've gotten to where they've wanted to go or in, in years past, it's like, they're just trying to keep this thing going. And I remember 10 years ago, specifically the, the president kind of saying like, I'm done, <laughs> you know, standing up at an AGM and it's like either somebody in this room stand up, <laughs> and take this thing on or it's dead because I'm done. Right. If, if somebody stands up and helps out, I'll transition. I'll help you out for a year, but I can't do this. And I wonder how many, how many presidents, how many, how many board members are out there across North America and the world who are in that position or who have been in that position and are just waiting for somebody to come along to kind of breathe new, new life into the organization. And I, and I hope too, and it's a theme that I want to explore a little bit this year with the podcast is, are we seeing, you know, new people coming into organizations this year more than we we ever have have it sounds like you have membership more so this year than yeah. you've ever had i mean that's that's a huge jump to go from 80 to to 300 is is massive um you know and and are you seeing people get involved uh, at a higher level than just simply buying membership as well yeah we've we've had a lot of a lot of repeat um volunteer uh like just just people showing up that before this year, you know, had, had never really been around, which is great. Um, and a lot of the stuff we've been doing, you know, it's, it's not like it's glamorous, you know, the exciting stuff is basically done by the time we get to the point where we need people to, to get shovels in hand. So it's, it's kind of like, Hey, we get it. You know, it, this is kind of mundane, um, to come out here and just shovel this dirt that we need, but, um, it's, it's been awesome. And everyone's kind of been, you know, sharing in that excitement of the expansion. So. That's great. Let's let's talk a little bit about that expansion. So, uh, 2020 started off uh, with a major trail expansion. Uh, before we kind of get to what 2020 turned into, as we are all aware of, what was the the plan kind of back in in January or the beginning of the year, and 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 what uh, what kind of began there, and and uh, where were you hoping to get to at the very start of the year? So we kind of um, with it being on state park land, so we we kind of we were waiting for. Um, the hunting seasons to end so we could get back out in the woods and kind of get out scouting. Mm -hmm. And when is that for you? Uh, January things clear back up. So it's usually October gotcha. 1st. And, and so, you know, January is the, uh, the deer hunting season. So, um, so we got out early January in 2020 and, uh, started scouting, uh, phase one of, of our, you know, we kind of ballparked it, but it looked like it was probably going to be at least a 20, 20 mile expansion. And so we, we said, well, phase one will probably be somewhere in the realm of five to 10 miles. So we started, uh, started scouting the areas. There was a lot of ravines and just kind of picking, picking a good route, um, and spent, I think seven or eight weekends straight back to back, um, scouting and then flagging that route and then GPSing it. We were already kind of getting, you know, burning ourselves out, um, early on, but we were like, Hey, this is great. We're so ahead of the game. You know, we, we got, we got everything flagged, I think by mid February. And then, and then at that point, you know, we, we submit that to the state that goes through environmental studies and just everything they do there in Springfield and certainly didn't expect to get approval as soon as we did uh, pr pretty quickly. I, I don't know exactly the timeline, uh, probably somewhere late February, early March, we got approval to, to wow. begin construction at that point. 
That yeah. seems uh, uh, unnaturally fast. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, we, I, I think we, um, you know, we have some really good partners, uh, both locally, you know, at, at the state park, uh, the local land manager, he's been excellent for us. Uh, and then, you know, we, I think we have some real advocates uh, in, in, in Springfield, which is where the, the Illinois Department of uh, Natural Resources is based. They've been great for us to work with. Uh, yeah. And, and so then, then COVID, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we were hoping to potentially at that point, you know, really accelerate and get going on construction and, and then Illinois shut down all of their state parks and, and we couldn't get out there to cut a down tree, uh, out, you know, so. Now you guys only deal with the, the one land manager, uh, within these trails. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. yeah, IDNR. Now I assume you have, and whether they're mountain bike areas or not, I assume you have other parks. Was there, was there any consistency with those kind of shutdowns? Like, did you have other parks that were staying open or was it all kind of state parks closing and perhaps municipal parks, municipal parks were a bit of a patchwork? Uh, yeah. Every state park in the state of Illinois closed. Um, that I, yeah. Municipal parks was uh, yeah on a case by case basis. Yeah. It was really interesting to kind of just, uh, one of one of my hopes, and I mean, you can hope all you want, and who knows if it will come true. But um, one of my hopes is that after this, that that people started to maybe see the fact that there were lines, you know, in in these recreation areas. I I deal with a, a an area that is referred to as one piece of of trail network, but is actually within that trail network has uh, anywhere from you know one of them has uh, two three land managers, and another one has four land managers, and so you know you can go for a ride even on a single trail, and you'll cross over four different land managers, and <laughs> and it was really confusing for people at, at the start to kind of be like, why well, I, I don't understand why I can go here, but I can't go here, and and all this kind of stuff, right? And 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 hopefully people kind of walked away from it and been like, you know. Oh, interesting. There's different people managing these different spaces, right? And I think oftentimes people will use the term they, like they should go do this or they should open up these trails or they should go do that. Here in in Canada, obviously as a as a a country that is still a little bit connected to uh to the monarch, you know, we call it the royal we, right? You know, they and the royal we should be doing this this and that, right? And and recognizing that um there's a lot more to that. There's a lot of different entities and it can be challenging. Um, hopefully people, you know, are starting to kind of see that a little bit more. There's perhaps a little bit more transparency with, with the fact that every land manager is different, you know, and they all operate differently. And, you know, we know that as advocates, I mean, our, our relationships with land managers are all different as well. It sounds like you guys have a great relationship with, with this land manager. It sounds like there's some key staff there too. Like have, have those staff been in place for a, a while? They have. Um, and, you know, we, we do have a new relationship with the, the park superintendent, uh, mm-hmm. which, which has turned out to be great. Um, but yeah, that's the freshest one, but yes, the, uh, some of the, um, IDNR folks, they, you know, they've been aware for a while and they, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the faith that they put in us, uh, recently, you know, as they kind of see, see this volunteer thing picking up, they realized, oh, these guys can definitely take this on. They're not, they're not going to get halfway through and it's going to be this problem that we've got to come back and fix. Um, I think it was, so it was 2019, they actually gave KMBC the uh, volunteer organi- organization of the year award. Um, you know, called called us to uh, to Springfield here in Illinois to accept the award and everything. So that was really cool. Uh, that showed mm. that they, they were impressed with what we were doing and kind of believed in 
the the idea that we were <clears throat> showing them. Uh, so what was the timeline for the shutdown? I know it kind of seems like mid-March is when things started to kind of ramp up for most people, but um, was that the same for, for you guys for shutdowns? Yeah, I, I think March 15th is when the, the state park shut down. And, and I think also when the stay-at-home order was issued in Illinois. And then when did both of those lift? Like when did when did things kind of open up again? Yeah, we were trying to find the exact date earlier. I, early March, or sorry, early May, I think, is, is when things opened back up. So, um, so I, maybe almost two months uh, it was closed. Certainly seemed like way longer than that. Yeah. 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 Oh, I know. It's it's incredible. I'm, I'm going through right now, just sorting through photos and, and videos right now, cleaning up my hard drive on my laptop. And it's like, you actually look at the timestamps of some of these photos and you're like, man, that, that, it felt like, it felt like a year. I think for us outdoor people, you know, it's when they say like, it's fine, go for a walk in your local community park. Like when they say community park, they mean, you know, where the baseball diamonds are. And it's like, <laughs> eh. That doesn't quite cut it for me. (laughs) So uh, the parks opened up. Was it an instant kind of um, what what was what was the uptake? Like, did the floodgates open and people started coming? Um, What was that like from a from a a user perspective? Uh, To me, it seemed kind of on and off. You know, it was like everybody was kind of like, what are we doing here? You know, is is this okay? Weird. Obviously, at first, you're like, well, okay, we're we're going zero to 60 here. So, you, you know, you kind of, you, you do the, uh, the whole trailhead parking lot thing, like, oh, hey, I'll wave to you over there, but I'm not going to come and talk to you at all. And then I think as the word kind of got out that, oh, hey, uh, you know, people are out riding, it's, it's good to go. Uh, yeah, then, then kind of, you know, we, we started seeing the full lot thing and it always makes you a little nervous, especially when that, when that was all going on. Like, well, is this, you know, do we want this to be the image that's, that's being portrayed, but yeah, optics I think is still something that we're dealing with. You know, I'm I'm dealing with my work that I do in the winter teaching avalanche courses. Like we're asking people to show up to avalanche courses with masks on and when we're wearing masks, but once we get moving, nobody's wearing masks. I'm not wearing a mask. You're not you're not ski touring uphill with a mask on. And and you know, it sounds like when you're outdoors this is really not a concern. You know, as long as you're not sharing food and that kind of thing, I think that's where some of the the picnics and backyard barbecues have gotten into trouble. Yeah. Um, there's really not a concern, but you know, it just takes one person taking a photo right. <laughs> of all these mountain bikers without masks on and hanging around. Right. And it blows up the internet and, uh, and it can be really challenging. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the image is always something too. It's, you know, whether, whether or not a, the scientific part of it, you know, we're always kind of aware of like, how does this look? Uh, you mm-hmm, know, we mm-hmm. don't want to, we don't want to be sending any, any sort of negative message, uh, out, you know, especially as we're trying to, trying to continue to better and expand, expand the club and everything. So that was, that was, that was one of the main things on our mind. So then as far as the, the trail expansion, when did that kind of get rolling again? Yeah. So I think we started in probably June. Is that right? Yeah. Early was, June. Yeah. I think yeah. So. Yeah, you know, a, a little more kind of pre-work, um, and then, uh, then yeah, we we really got busy. Uh, I, I think around June, a lot of coordination early on because we, you know, we we had some grants that fell through, and we were also starting construction earlier than we had anticipated. Right, we got the approvals to begin construction a lot earlier than we thought we would, so we were kind of a little off guard with that, and. Had to really, uh, you know, hit the ground to 
try to raise some funds to rent equipment and, and, and get people on board. So started in June and, and got really aggressive about it. Uh, we, you know, we had, again, just a lot of new volunteers, a lot of new club members. Some of the new members happen to be, you know, really solid equipment operators. We've, we've got a, a, a really great partner and uh, uh, an equipment rental uh, company here locally who, you know, for one-off work days when we need something small, a lot of times they'll just donate that to us. Uh, in this case, we had to have excavators out in the woods for days at a time. Uh, so, you know, just giving us those excavators obviously was not going to work. Um, so, so they, they cut us some significant breaks, right? I mean, like they, they only charge us for the running hours on the machine and not how long we had the machine. And, uh, we're really accommodating, uh, in, in that way. Yeah. I was, I'm just laughing. I'm looking back to like our, uh, just our, our photos through the process of, of trail ten. And like what the very, I think the very first machine uh, day, it, it, there's a picture. It's just pouring rain, and I don't know what I'm not sure what your guys' dirt is like up there, but we we can't we can't operate with wet soil over here. It just it just turns into peanut butter. So that was uh, that was early in the morning. The first the first operation day, we've we've got a picture here of the machine kind of just moving through the field, getting ready to, and it's just pouring down rain. So uh, yeah, here we go. You know, <laughs> not a good time. Yeah, when when you just need that like sunny day to be like, it'll be okay. It'll uh, it's all gonna work out fine. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know, so uh, we lucked out. It, it kind of it was like a fall start. It, it was just it was just kind of poking fun at us, I guess, because it cleared up. Mm-hmm. We we got a great start on it, but it always makes you a little worried on that on that morning when the weather's looking like it's just going to completely go south. So as far as the the trail details go, you guys bring in a machine first. Um, you kind of do the heavy lifting with that, and then it sounds like you bring in your your volunteer groups afterwards to kind of do that those finishing touches. Is that generally how you work on projects, or is that something that was more on this recent project that you use that that system? Uh, it kind of it, it was kind of specific to this one because the area that we expanded into was it just included a lot more elevation change than anything else that we'd previously built. And so we needed we needed a lot more bench cutting, and and we we had had some volunteers do that previously on some of our other uh, steeper trails by hand, and and with the mileage that we were talking, we just we knew that was completely out of the question. There was no way we were gonna we were gonna scare everybody off if we had our volunteers hand cutting that in. So we pulled out the big guns and and kind of had that heavy work done with with the machines when you bring volunteers in and, and, you know, at what point did you do that? And, and what were, what were restrictions like for, for COVID? Like, was there, was there limits? How, how did you kind of manage that whole uh, side of things? Yeah. So, you know, early on, I, I think the first, the first few work days when it was a lot of machine work, pretty small groups, right. Um, it, that wasn't a big concern for us at the time. When it came time to, to get some bigger groups in, you know, I, I honestly, it, it was kind of a common sense approach to it. Uh, we we didn't make a, a big deal about you know signing waivers or, or anything like that before coming out. Um, although, like all volunteers sign waivers, but there was nothing specific to to COVID in there. Other than you know, if you're showing symptoms, stay away. Obviously, keep your distance. You know, bring your own tools, uh, and then you know, spread out. You know, we're going to divvy up the work, spread out, and. Uh, and get it done and be safe. 
kind of handled things with, you know, a, a system of radios and just kind of pointed people, you know, hey, send those guys that way. Um, you know, we need a couple guys down here. You know, we, we kind of did away with the whole, hey, let's do a group huddle and, and, and talk about where everyone needs to be. So, yeah. Yeah. And what were numbers like? Like how many people are you pulling in on one of those trail days? We, we had some really good trail days. Uh, you know, I probably some of the best in KNBC's history, to be honest. Like, well, you know, clearly one, people just wanted to get out. But I, I think we definitely generated a little bit of buzz around this project. And uh, I we had some days that were probably, I don't know, over 30 to 40 people came out uh, for, for the work days. Which is for us too. I mean, that that is like unheard of. So. And and you had mentioned it earlier, like people, uh, I think it's a great metric for measurement too of success. You had people that were coming out to multiple trail days, which I think is is really cool. Yeah, and so you know, the other just something that's kind of funny recently here is, um, it's uh, it's really hard to find property out in the Kickapoo area, right? And that's that's maybe not been an issue in the past. And I, I think we have we have new members this year, right? Folks that are showing up to work days that have really just gotten involved this year and started writing, even writing this year, who are looking for property out in that area now. Um, I think just goes to show what, what sort of draw it has and maybe how things have changed a little bit. And so the community in general is is changing. It is, yeah. Interesting. Is that is that just kind of people getting out of the Chicago area and just getting out a little bit further? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of that. So uh, one of the things you mentioned, and, and I want to touch on again, is is you talked about you had the permission and then you didn't have the funding. And I always find this a really funny thing that because I, I know trail associations that have a ton of funding and no permission. I think maybe even my local trail association, North Shore Mountain Big Association, might be in that category, especially after this year. We did really well financially, but that's because we weren't able to do any trail days. We weren't really doing much this year. So, and people were kind of stepping up and, and hopefully not too many members are listening to this because I want them to keep donating. But, um, um, you know, they, people were donating thinking like, Oh, they, they need help. And at the same time, it's like, well, we weren't really doing too much this year. And so we kind of came out and, and after our AGM last week, we came out with a pretty good, uh, nest egg, which is, which is really great. And as a nonprofit, people always have they're like, Oh, you shouldn't have that money in the bank. But I think with COVID, people are, are a little bit more understanding that like, eh, maybe maybe going into 2021, it's not a bad idea to have a, a backup plan just in case. But we don't get permission to build a lot of trails. And so it's kind of challenging, right? And I've always felt like there's got to be a better system out there of, of, you know, if a trail association has the funding and they don't have the permission, they can, you know, trade the funding to another organization that suddenly has the permission and they can kind of go back and forth. And, you know, uh, that might sound a little bit more like socialism, which here in Canada, we're a a little (laughs) less afraid of, but, um, (laughs) how did it sounded like you had to, you had to get the funds quickly. And it sounds like you had a, a little bit of, you know, that um, that machine time was kind of donated, uh, or at least you were, you got a bit of a discount off of that. But how did you manage to get the funding together quickly? You know, this this all sounds like it happened. I mean, it sounds like you guys put the plan in. It got approved two weeks later. You know, you had the the two month pause for COVID, and then and then suddenly you were back at it. Like, how did this all come together so quickly for funding wise? Well, we had, you know, we had a we had a couple of um, lines in the water early on that we felt pretty good about um, different requests and things like that. Um, you know, some through private companies, et cetera. So we thought, we thought we were sitting pretty in a pretty good spot with those. Um, you know, then, then when COVID hit, obviously the, you know, we checked back in with those people and it's kind of all the same story, right? It's uh, 
Yeah. So, hey, sorry, we're tightening the belt. Uh, we'll let you know when we get back, uh, back around to this, maybe 2021. So all that kind of fell away and we're like, okay, we thought we had both the permission and the funding lined up. We, you know, we, we were going to be good. So then, then it was like, well, the permission's still there. Um, but all of our, uh, all of our, um, hopefuls kind of, kind of pulled out. So then we were like, well, what, what can we do here? Um, and that really left the only option being like a GoFundMe style uh, push. So we just kind of started hitting the membership um, hard with that that type of thing and saying, you know, hey, we've we've got this great opportunity here. Um, we just, you know, we need a way to make it happen. That's cool. Well, and, and new projects build hype. I mean, people. <laughs> People are stoked when, when you say like, we want to do this and it's like, we just need the help with it. And, and so that's great. Yeah. And, and it did. I mean, like, like I said earlier, it, uh, it generated a lot of hype. Um, you know, I think both just the fundraising efforts to get it started. Uh, and then, you know, as people started seeing what we were doing and that it was, you know, really a few steps if not more above anything that KMBC had done in the past. Uh, it built a lot of hype, you know, drew a lot of new members. And I, I think just from, you know, from, from all over the Midwest, we started seeing new riders and people, you know, coming, whether it was on their way through to get to somewhere else or, or not, uh, you know, people were, were making the stop here. You know, I think one, one of the things we have struggled with, though, is just locally, you know, our, our immediate communities of Danville or even Champaign-Urbana, we don't get a whole lot of support from from the businesses and you know even 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 the towns uh, locally here, um, and so that's that's something we we obviously need to work on, right? Is just making sure that the businesses here and, and the communities know what is going on, you know, out there that door, um, and hopefully, ultimately, that makes our fundraising efforts a little easier uh, and gets just gets more people out there and more people involved. Yeah, that's definitely a unique problem. How far, like, you know, how far away is the state park from those those kind of main city centers? From Champaign, uh, it is just about thirty miles on the interstate there, and then uh, from Danville here, where we are local, uh, it's probably a, I think it's a five mile drive from my yeah. house. Yeah. So. So pretty close, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not right on anyone's back door, but I mean, it, you know, distances are very, very close here. Uh, but those businesses aren't seeing the, the parking lots full of bikers and they're, you know, they're not seeing that, uh, exactly that draw. Yeah. yeah. And like you, you don't have to drive through any business district, you know, to, to get to the state park. It's like, it's an exit off the interstate. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, so we're, we're not necessarily running our traffic through, uh, through the business district either. So uh, I'm, I'm a big fan in this podcast is definitely something that I, I always try to do with it, but I always like to look to the future. And I think, you know, right now that's, that's a little bit hard to do. Who knows? You know, I think, uh, like, like a lot of those original funders that you talked about, I think we're all in that same position of the, the hunker and the bunker kind of thing as one of my guests in a, in a previous episode had mentioned, you know, I think, I think we're all kind of waiting to see, but, but maybe instead of talking about the future, let's just talk a little bit about the present. Where, where is Illinois at? Where, where's your communities at right now? You know, are, are you back in lockdown? Are you, are, are numbers kind of stabilizing? Are numbers increasing? What's kind of happened within the, the COVID sense of things and, and just in the, in the decisions as we kind of enter into, uh, into 
you know, a winter season right now? Yeah. I mean, we're, uh, you know, if we're looking at a graph, we're certainly not, not looking like, uh, we're in good shape. Um, and as far as, you know, lockdowns and things like that, it's, uh, yeah, they, you know, they're, they're trying to tighten things back down. Um, it, it seems, you know, it seems now it's like, you've got the, the back and forth, right? Like, uh, here's, here's what the state says, um, whether or not, you know, that, you know, the business, small businesses are going to do that or can, can afford to do that, you know, is, is kind of the, the back and forth that we see. So you see varying levels of adherence to, to things. Um, it's just kind of, kind of all over the place, to be honest. What's the organization's messaging then going into the winter? What are you guys working on? Uh, you know, our, as we get into the winter, our main, our main concern is really just keeping people off of the freeze thaw. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's yeah. always our, you know, cause as it gets colder, there's not really that many, we don't have a, we don't have big groups uh, showing up at the lots anymore. There, there's yeah. only the diehard people want to get out there. And so it's just, our main thing is just making it aware and, and blatantly obvious <laughs> that, Hey, uh, you know, when you ride in this freeze thaw cycle, it is very, it causes a lot of damage and it causes us a lot of work that we really don't want to have to worry about come spring. Yeah. But, uh, but then, you know, for, for the smaller group of us in the board, uh, we're focusing on, you know, phase two of this, of this expansion. Um, so we, you know, we've been scouting that and that work will continue and, uh, we'll get a proposal off to, uh, off to the state soon, uh, for what we'd like to see happen. Yeah. Dusting off our hiking boots. Yeah. And then I, I think Tr- Troy and I are, are, spending some time right now thinking about memberships in 2021 and um, you know, what sort of incentives we want to, we want to put there. And uh, you know, I, the other thing I mentioned earlier is just like, how do we get the community a little bit more involved in, in what we're doing out there? Um, mm-hmm. the, the local, the local cities more involved. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that's our focus right now. Well, and we started with it and I, I want to end with it. Um, I think this winter is going to potentially be a, a long one <laughs> for us. And uh and as spring was very long uh, th- this past year, and and so what's uh, what's the plan for the two of you uh, to maintain that uh, that sanity through our winter? I'm hoping to spend a little time in Baja this winter. That's good. Ah. <laughs> That's a hope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah you know, I, I don't know. Um, you get outside as much as I can, and yeah. uh, it, more than anything, this. Uh, this daylight thing is what just eats away at me. I'm ready to go yeah. at like, well, now it's dark here. So I'm, I'm ready to go. Yeah. To and I just, I, I want to hibernate until the spring. <laughs> Troy yeah. is also a fair weather writer. So, you know, I, I got a few in last week. But he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, well, guys, I just I want to thank you so much for taking the time to to chat with me. It's just been great to 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 just have this conversation, and and, uh, and you know, it's uh, it's the closest thing I think uh, I think a lot of us get to just cracking a beer at a pub after a bike ride these days. And so, uh, thanks for thanks for having fun. Thanks for just chatting, and and uh, we hope to hear back from you soon. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You. We uh, like I said, I you know when I sent the when I sent the message off to you, I just wanted I really wanted to um, just kind of shine a light on a little bit of positive news that's yeah. taking place for us here in the, in the midst of all the uh, chaos. So yeah. um, we're, we're super stoked that, uh, that everything's kind of continued on for the mountain biking world here for us. And um, we think it at least gives some, some people a, a, an outlet. 
Absolutely. No, and I think uh, I think you guys are, are not alone. I think it, it by what I've heard from folks, especially who have reached out since uh, since that quick episode that I put out there, it sounds like uh, mountain biking is has been a, a huge escape for a lot of people. And, and I think a lot of trail associations, despite seeing additional user groups, which <laughs> pose challenges as well, they're they're seeing a lot of benefits right now, which is which is great. It is. Yep. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. This episode of the podcast was recorded on the traditional territory of the Tsleil-Waututh, Squamish, Musqueam, and Stolo Nations. My guests join me from the traditional territory of the Kickapoo, Peoria, Miami, and the Aglala Sioux. If you're curious to learn more about the traditional territory that you occupy and recreate on, then visit native-lands.ca. Like always, you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at FrontlinesMTB. You can also join the Facebook group at Advocates on the Frontlines of MTB. You can send me an email or audio file to info at FrontlinesMTB.com. You can stream the show on Mountain Bike Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you haven't done so already, leave a review on wherever you get the show. It helps others find the podcast. A huge thanks to Allenson, Bev, Ernest, Susie, Kyle, and the Shenandoah Valley Bicycle Coalition for your extremely valued support and financial contributions to the podcast. Don't forget that you can support the show via PayPal. You can find a link in the show notes along with a link to the Frontline's MTB Book Club where a portion of any purchases made on Amazon after following those links will be sent to the podcast. In the show notes, you'll also find links to the Kickapoo Mountain Bike Club. Big thanks to my guests, Troy and Anthony. Music, as always, is by Lee Rosevere. Production notes by Jennifer Pride. Artwork is created by Brandon Gallagher-Watson and BGW Creative. And a huge thanks to Ben Wellneck and the team at Mountain Bike Radio for their continued support. And finally, I'm Brent Hillier. This is Frontlines. Thanks for listening, and happy trails.